is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. Hello, and welcome back to London is Blue. 90 days after we lifted the FA Cup trophy at Wembley Stadium, Chelsea women are back on a football pitch together, which honestly made me a lot happier than I. I realised it would, <laughs> um, but there's something particularly satisfying. I thought when you get to see see the players in their new kits as well, like it just feels like oh, it's like it's already to start. I know we've kind of seen the guys in it, but you know, the girls are special too. Um, so we are here to talk through Chelsea women's first preseason game. I'm joined by our man on the ground, Dan Dormer. Is this your first appearance on the Chelsea? Yeah, Nick, Nick has been Nick has been holding me back. He's had a lockdown and <laughs> really has not given any of us an opportunity to join. He doesn't want to share the fun. Yeah, he doesn't want to. You know, it's not it's not fair. We we've hung out in person, Jesse. We've had the chance to enjoy beers together, and Nick just is a he's a hog sometimes. I don't know why. Absolutely. And you you're at Providence Park getting those inside scoops for us. How was it? <laughs> It was good. It was a good day out. It was a toasty day. Uh, fun fact about the Pacific Northwest is it has started to get hotter, much like many other places in the world. Hey, climate change. But they don't uh, or did not for a long time believe in air conditioning. And so they are not accustomed to when the temperature rises to a high level, what that does to a situation. So extra hydration breaks just out of the blue for player safety. But, you know, I think everybody had a good time out and the, the Blues supporters I was able to connect with in the stands for a little bit. And after the game, we're all super excited to have Chelsea in their hometown or to be able to visit a town to see the Chelsea women play. Yeah, I mean, love to say I thought the crowd looked like really great last night. So um, which is which is what we want to see. Uh, and of course, Chelsea were playing Lyon yesterday, the Abdullah Abdullah derby. There were some concerns in the London is Blue WhatsApp group as to how glowing Abdullah's review of the Lindsay Horan free kick was. But how are you, Abdullah? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, better than I was after that first half when I went back and watched it. Um, you know, but hey, this and that wasn't a bad free kick. It was a good free It just so happened that I tuned in as that free kick was about to be taken. And sure. I, the first thing I said was, that's a great free kick. And then suddenly everyone's <laughs> like, you're, you're awake now, suddenly out of nowhere. Like, come on, guys, give me a break here. No, it was it was, it was a... It was interesting to see uh, first game of the first game of the preseason for both teams, really, and you know the, the level that everybody was at. I thought it was. I thought it was overall. I thought it was a good game. Dan, sorry, one more thing, Dan. If I remember, almost a year ago to this month, you and I were on an episode talking about Lauren James's signing. So you were on an unofficial episode. Yeah, of, yeah. It was before. It we was gave before it. I was brought branding. on board, so it doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> This yeah. is my first episode. This is my first cameo on on the podcast. If I wasn't involved, it doesn't. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Just stating it for the record. That's that's all I'm doing. Well, it's, it's like it's like when you had the Marvel movies before they became the Avengers. Does it really count? Yeah. Does some of them really count? <laughs> Not really. No. Fair enough. But yes, Chelsea kicked off their preseason against Champions League holders Lyon in Portland. I'm not sure any season should start with a game that begins at 2.06am UK time, but there we go. I did stay up for it. Uh, It was quite fun, to be fair. There were a couple of other people up uh, on Twitter, which is always enjoyable. Uh, We went 2-0 up in this match before being pegged back to 2-2 and eventually losing on penalties. But I think overall, everyone's kind of agreed this is a match where we can take a lot of positives. So we are going to chat through players looking fresh. Um, 
yeah, Lauren James, I think, especially felt a bit like a new signing in this game. Um, but we'll chat about everyone who looked good. Uh, the, the new signings we got to see. Buchanan, we got to see JRK, who Emma Hayes apparently calls Jojo. Wasn't wasn't sure about that one uh, in a post-match. But we got to see Eve and we got to see, very briefly, Katrina. So we'll, we'll touch on all of those. And then we'll talk a bit about Emma Hayes playing this 4-3-3. What does that mean for our centre-backs? Who does it suit? Who does it not suit? But first, the first three-word match review of the 2022-23 Chelsea women's season. Dan, I'm coming to you first. Well, there's a chain of um, donut shops in Portland known as Voodoo Donuts, which are quite tasty. And I think it's going to be Chelsea's penalty voodoo continues of just having really weird penalty shootouts, <laughs> particularly in the preseason, both the men's and the women's team that have odd mirrorings. So let's just hope they fix that one heading into the uh, next part of the season. Yeah, you always want to think like, oh, it's preseason, so it doesn't like, does it get in anyone's head? But then there's that thing in the back of your mind saying... Ooh, like, will Erin Cuthbert be thinking about how high she skied that penalty the next time she steps up to take one? Uh, let's hope not. Abdullah, what are you going for? Uh, settling in nicely. I thought, you know, over 90 minutes, I thought everybody settled in. The new signings, especially, they started settling in. And the ones that played longer, obviously, we could really tell that, you know, they were, you know, they kind of understood the brief. They understood the assignment. They, they, were, they were almost like fit into the tactical system kind of a bit too well for a first game. Um, obviously there are going to be kinks to be ironed out, but I thought, I thought everybody settled nicely despite the, uh, the loss. Yeah. And I'm going to go with bringing the sauce because I felt like that first kind of 60 minutes, Sam's goal, Lauren's goal. It just felt like these players had a lot of confidence, which I think is something that's really nice to see in a preseason. Um, it's always hard to figure out, I think, how much emphasis to put on these games. But I think if you're seeing confidence and players looking comfortable, and bringing the sauce. That's a pretty that's a pretty good way to, to start the new year, you know. So, yeah, so this was the game against Leon that took place, what is yesterday. I'm kind of trying to struggle to figure out <laughs> what day it is at this point. But it was Wednesday the 17th of August, I believe, uh, in the Women's International Champions Cup, which was played on turf, which I don't understand why anyone still has that, at Providence Park in Portland. Leon 2, Chelsea 2, goals from Sam Kerr and Lauren James for us in the 8th and 55th minute before Lindsay Horan scored that, that free kick Abdullah liked so much and Senior Bruin kind of bundled home home the ball in the 88th minute because it's kind of a plastic tournament. We then went went straight to penalties, which uh, we then lost 4-3. Uh, misses from Erin Cuthbert and, and Millie Bright. But Dan, do you want to talk us through the, the lineups that, that we played? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was uh, social media queen herself between the sticks. Mielda Buchanan as a new signing. Erickson Charles as your back line with James Fleming Wrighton. Uh, the girl gang stood up and it was assembled in Portland. I can't confirm that with Aaron Cuthbert and then Harder and Kerr as your starting lineup. And then you had a bunch of people who got to come off the bench in terms of Newen, Bright, Engel, Carter, England, uh, Sikova, Perisic, uh, Jojo, as well, I guess we're calling her now, and Katrenberger, and then uh, Omen, or Omen, who uh, the last two did not feature. I think it was a shame, really, we didn't get to see the kind of subbed-in penalty goalkeeper thing. That's what I would like. That would have been the only thing I think that would have made the penalty shootout potentially potentially funnier. Um, but, Abdullah, would you talk us through some of the stats that came out of this game? Yeah, I think um, I think kind of says it all here. I mean, Chelsea had 14 shots to Leon's seven with seven on target compared to Leon's three. So, I mean, just 
on, on an attacking basis alone that you know Chelsea just had a lot more uh, visibility on on Leon's goal 59% possession against 41 doubled almost you know about 418 passes to about Leon's 297 86 to 80% pass accuracy a lot of fouls so Chelsea had 14 fouls versus Leon's nine two yellow cards to one uh, four offsides to two and six corners to Leon's and zero which was which was kind of uh, you know what? You know what they did? They just decided, no, Wendy, we're not on the pitch. We're not going to have any corners, nothing. So we're just going to save it. We're going to let you go. <laughs> Wait for Renato to come back and we take some we take some corners. Um, but yeah, the XG numbers were pretty pretty interesting. I mean, Chelsea had a 1.67, so Leon's 1.64, which was kind of even considering Leon really didn't have a clear-cut chance in that first half and they only got better as the, as the game went on. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting to see that, you know, with only seven real shots and three on target, they still had a you know, XG of 1.64. Yeah, obviously a big, big chunk of that came from from the second goal. I think Weisskat had it at 0.88 when they kind of bundled it in. But before we kind of properly get into this, I just want to hear a bit from, from you guys about your immediate reactions to this match. Pre-seasons are obviously weird. Man United men beat Liverpool 4-0 in pre-season and, well, we've seen how that's gone <laughs> as the actual season started. But I also was ready for Leon to, to give us the Champions League trophy at halftime. We were, we were that good. But Dan, you know, you were obviously there. What did you kind of make of it? In general, it felt like the season hadn't actually stopped in any capacity for the first 60 minutes. It felt like we were figuring things out. There's a little experimentation, but in general, it was just pattern go, pattern go, pattern go, find space, create a shot, great opportunity, not giving Leon any opportunity to really find their foothold in the game. And that was what Emma talked about when we asked her kind of afterwards in the press conference about, like, what would she like about the game? What did she see? She talked about all the positives she saw in the first 60 minutes. And when the changes happened is when things really went off the script. It went from the symphony to jazz. And uh, there's a a wide range of jazz. And this was some bad jazz. It was very bad (laughs) jazz. I, I love that analogy so much. I think that pretty much sums it up. But Abdullah, same question for you. What, what was your kind of overall overall take on this game? Yeah, I think first sixty minutes, it just felt like um, Chelsea were just so much in control. I mean, I mean, I Leon had a few players missing and in a bit of a wonky lineup with Henri playing at centre back and, and whatnot. But like, it just felt like. Chelsea just came out of the blocks like, yeah, we're ready to start the season today. That's how good they were for 60 minutes. I could see that sort of performance coming in for the first second game of the season. And you'd think, wow, you've been, you've been practicing for, for the last month or so and really drilling into the in, into the tactics. Um, yeah, I, I felt I felt maybe the, the changes maybe disrupted the, the rhythm a little bit. Um, but, you know, on an individual level, people still played well. But I think it just I think it just overall I think it just bodes well for the rest of the rest of the preseason going into the new season that Chelsea were able to come out against European champions regardless of what state they were in and, and be able to perform at that level. So um yeah, I, there there is there is there is quality and there is potential there to, to really do some some big things this season. I do think that's like one of the interesting things about these games is that there is obviously a a mental benefit, even if even if you put these caveats around the, the Leon team that came out, even if you put the caveat that we actually didn't win the game in the end, but to come out and play for 60 minutes and, and really be in control of something, I do think you you take something from that, you know, and, and I was kind of um, thinking back, Barcelona and Leon had played in the same tournament last, last summer and, and Leon won there and I felt like that also was was a point where maybe people were like, 
Barcelona don't have to be all that or like at least Lyon could kind of see that and then you know I I hope that that's the kind of thing that that we can take away from this game um but we're gonna take a quick ad break and when we come back we will get into the game in a bit more detail all right our next partner has a product that I use literally every day I started taking AG1 because well it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in you know we're all focused on our macros with protein carbs and and fat and now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables it's just hard to eat that many servings a day so uh, i started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient i'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system so what is this stuff well with one delicious scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So just a couple of housekeeping bits. The Premier League is obviously back. Um, the guys are covering Chelsea men pretty much nonstop. I don't know when they do anything else for their lives because there is always so much stuff going on. Lots of transfer gossip still, obviously covering the, the games being played as well, which aren't short of their own drama. We've got some great academy episodes going out at the moment um, with Chelsea Youth. If you want to catch up in, in a section of the club, which also has a hell of a lot of movement going on on the moment. Um, and then we are obviously going to be here taking you all the way through Chelsea Women's pre-season until we kick off the WSL against West Ham at Stamford Bridge in September. But let's look at this game in a bit more detail then. Uh, yeah, like the guys have said, I think the first 16 minutes of this were were really exceptional, to be honest. We felt just in total control of the match and it is kind of infuriating to walk away and, and not end up with a result that kind of reflected that because we probably should have scored three or four, to be honest. But, you know, we just came out of the block so fast. That first goal from Sam Kerr after seven minutes uh, after an incredible ball from, from Aaron Cuthbert. Dan, you were there. That must have been pretty special to see in real life. It was well. So we were angled uh, where the press box sits. In, it sits raised up, uh, pretty high, and uh, it was on the opposite side of where the goal was scored. So you had a chance to actually follow the flight of the ball fully into Sam's path. And I was like, "Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be a goal." Like I, I kind of just told the told the person next to me who is not uh, necessarily a Chelsea supporter. I'm like, "That's gonna be a goal." And uh, I was expecting the goal. I was not expecting the little chip and dip that she busted out. That was quite exceptional. Um, I don't know if it surpasses uh, some of the stuff that we saw in the last game of the season together, but 
you know, I feel like Sam Kerr goals are just uh, are, are really special, Jesse. It was certainly uh, picking up where she left off. I, I think it, it's fair to say. Um, but I think it kind of speaks to the freshness of this team that I thought Sam had a great game, but like there were lots of other players that stood out. I think also we saw kind of with this lineup how much Chelsea maybe have benefited from having their players having had quite a mixed summer. Obviously, lots of this lineup kind of prioritised players who hadn't played all the way through the Euros. Magda and Zachira were the only players who reached the kind of semi-finals of the Euros, and Zachira obviously didn't actually play a minute. So, um, but Abdullah, a player who who I kind of thought like stood out for me was, was Neve Charles. She it she had a bit of a mixed bag, I think. You know, playing left back, it's it's not really. <laughs> what you would say is her natural position at all. I think it's several positions removed from what I would say her natural position. And, you know, when she was coming up against Delphine Cascarino, I think it's fair to say she is, she's still not really a defensive fullback, um, but she got into some good positions going forward. Um, maybe just that final decision letting her down. What What did you think of Neve? You know, it's it's it was funny when I uh, when I went back and I, and I watched the game again and I, so I thought, you know, I thought, you know what? She, it may not be in natural position, but, you know, like you said, got in some really good attacking positions. And I thought, you know what? She looks a little bit like, it's almost like she's almost grown up a little bit over the summer. Like the fact that she didn't go to the Euros, it almost felt like she sat with Emma over the summer, really went into some some tactical work, uh, you know, behind the scenes and maybe a little bit of extra training on the pitch. And it really felt like there was a little bit more of a confidence about Neve at left back. Yes, she was. She was not a great defensive fullback. We know that. But just some of the positions that she was able to take and the intelligence to find a figure out, okay, if I get into this position, it'll be a good one. Final final decision, you know, the final ball, sure. That'll come with experience, that'll come with time. And again, playing on the opposite side, having to come onto her right foot all the time, that's there. So I can I can, I can can forgive that part of the, the game. But for me, it just stood out that there was a little bit more of a confidence in in Neve there coming up on the left side and coming up against one of the, one of the best young uh, wingers, you know, out there in Delphine Cascarino that... You know, I mean, it wasn't, you know, when your team's playing well for 60 minutes and you have New Charles, you know, driving up on the left-hand side and still being able to track back and, and put in a little bit of a shift going back. I, I was, I was, you know, all things considered, I was kind of, kind of impressed with the positions that she took and kind of the work that it looks like she's been putting in over the summer. Yeah, it's interesting. I think she's, she's someone, I noticed this in the Conti Cup final, I think she's really beefed up over the past six months or so. And I think that's something that like will help her. And, and you're kind of right to say like, you know, Cascarino went past her a couple of times pretty easily, but it wasn't like Leon were, I mean, Leon didn't do anything in the first half. So it wasn't like they were really like getting away with, with stuff down there. And that, that is someone who you would consider kind of one of the best right wingers who you can kind of come across in Europe. So I think it was like a, definitely a positive, positive match for her. Um, but Dan, I think, you know, a player who, I guess similarly to, to Neve, maybe, or I mean more so than Neve, is someone who we, we've looked to really make an impact in the club. And obviously her last season was, was disrupted, but she was wearing the number 10 shirt, taking off Jisoo-yeon. Uh She looked a lot more confident. Lauren James, is this, is this where we really see her break out? It was, I think, a muted performance for the first 45 minutes. And then in the second half, as she got going particularly... Uh, started cooking a little bit more with uh, Flemings with the interchange that they had there. Um, yeah, I mean, H- Harder was everywhere. Like, I, I just like, w- was she here? Was she there? Was she everywhere? Yes, she was. And I think it was 
finding times when they actually were able to kind of work together on the same side and there was an outlet there that was going to be able to move at pace at speed with her and allow her some flexibility to kind of have an out opportunity that was where i think she really started to find some goodness and then obviously the goal with the stop and go to completely lose her defender and then say yeah, I'm going to try this shot. And then to see it go in was quite wonderful. It, uh, it feels like it's the a good foundation to continue the preseason in. Obviously, we've got one more game in Portland, then a preseason match against Spurs, and then go back to the UK. And in general, I, I'd like to see kind of some of that continued performance and see, you know, Abdullah, where she's capable of continuing to showcase kind of the, the, the stamina, maybe, that we kind of also need her to see from her getting that she spent a lot of time out um, last season and needs to kind of get some of that, you know, full kind of match nineties coming together. Yeah, no, I think, um, no, I think, I think there is, there is obviously, um, there, there's obviously a lot of talent there. And, and, and then, like we said, it was, it was a muted first 45 minutes for, for Lauren James, but there's just, I'm, I, what I loved about was the tactical versatility in, in the positioning, uh, in, especially in that first, first second half, that switch between three at the back, four at the back, right wing back coming inside, playing a right winger, calls coming in as a striker. I think that again was, was so, um, was so good to see. And, and obviously the goal was extremely well taken, you know, the cutting inside. And then I don't think she realized for the first second that it was, went in and then it was like a very like late reaction. I was like, I was confused at first. I'm like, why are you not celebrating? The goal went in. It was a great goal. Oh, you didn't realize it. But no, I, I really felt like for, for a real good first start preseason, Lauren looked really fresh and, 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 and really up for it, you know, going up and down that right flank. It'll be interesting to see, won't it? Because there's like a lot of competition there now. There is obviously Lauren. Fran wasn't in the squad. I assume that's because Chelsea wanted to give her an extended period of rest, given what we know with, with some of her issues. And then obviously you've now got Jojo. <laughs> I can't call it that. We've got Canada there as well. So, you know, there, there, there is suddenly, you know, a lot of players in, in a position where kind of last season it didn't feel like, well, you know, we almost had none of those, those three players. Um, but Abdullah, someone who, who Dan kind of touched on, who, again, I thought was, was very good, was, was Peniel Harder, apart from that. She had one awful miss um, when Sam squared the ball. And I, I on, honestly, I thought it was in the commentators thought it was in and they really styled it out on the commentary where basically like they talked and talked and talked like it had gone in like they were talking about it and then they just went oh the, no the whole stadium <laughs> knew right away the whole stadium knew <laughs> so, all you did so was look funny. at her reaction she knew it didn't go in the players knew it didn't yeah. go in <laughs> any bad takes any bad takes you hear me say this season just wait and wait for a little bit and then you'll hear me go or not or not <laughs> <laughs> um but look, you know, she obviously went out in the group stages of the Euros. Do, has this allowed her to find some some freshness? I feel like in some of the Chelsea games when she came back, whether it was because she rushed back from injury, but she maybe just felt a bit tired. Whereas I felt like here we saw her at her immense fits running everywhere best. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think 100% that played a part because I think it just gave her that extra time off and there was no pressure or stress on her shoulders to say, I need to get back with this team. I need to perform, I need to come back, I need to play, you know. And I think there was a little bit of frustration coming in towards the end of the season with the injuries. There was frustration with Denmark going out on the group stage. And I think this extended period of time has given her time to go away, de-stress, 
get away from football for a little while and then just come back with a renewed sense of positivity and, and optimism and say, all right, you know, let's just go in, let's go and play and, and, and really start fresh. And I felt like, um, I felt like even the system that was played uh, yesterday, the today, whatever day <laughs> it was, um, it really felt like it suited uh, Penelope harder a little bit more. I felt like there was a lot more space for her to run in. There was a lot more space for her to kind of pick up, um, receive balls in between the lines. And I think she just looked a lot happier in that position, being able to play, play around. And yeah, that missed. I was shouting at the defenders when the counter-attack was going in because I hadn't seen that in, in real time. So when I was watching the replay, I went, no, 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 no. There's Penelope hard on the left. And then when she missed, I was like, how? Like, how did that happen? But, you know, besides that moment, we can chalk it down to preseason. It's fine. First game, first first few first few minutes. But uh, no, I thought I thought Penela was really really good, and this is the kind of form, and this is the kind of Penela harder Chelsea going to need going into the Champions League and the WSL this season because you know it's. Uh, I think I think a lot of teams are going to be up for it this year. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna touch on it later on in the episode, but I do think Penela Harder is someone who really wins when we play a back four because I think that helps give her the space. Um, within the midfield as opposed to, you know, I kind of always feel the 3-4-3 becomes a bit more congested at, at points. But, Dan, is there anyone else who, who stood out for you for this game? Well, there are people I want to talk about, but they're in our next section here, and I don't want to spoil okay, the Okay, well, we can, we, can, we can move on. Go on. Who who, who are you shouting out from our next section? Oh, it's got to be uh, Kadisha. Like, what a rock at the back. My goodness. Uh I mean, at times with the way that Charles was pushing up, it was almost like it was a back three and she was playing the, the like a central center back. And yeah, just the deafness on the ball. Some of the tackles that she put in from a standing position on a few times, particularly when it got dicey in the latter half of the game. There were some nice, nice last challenges that she was able to execute on that. I don't know. I feel like very easy path to being a fan favorite already for a lot of people, particularly people maybe who are just starting to watch. Maybe they got interested in the women's Euros. They've been watching Chelsea and the men's side. And maybe this is going to be the first year where they're like, I'm doing it. I'm all in. I'm committed to watching the Chelsea women's team, the best team we've had at the club for the last decade maybe um <laughs> but you know you're here now that's okay that's great but i just i think she was exceptional and i i will you know put my hands up and say i did not watch much of her beyond some highlight reels up into this point and getting to see her live was quite fantastic i think what was really exciting about watching buchanan is you know millie bright and magda erickson have been such stalwarts of the club for, for a really long time it doesn't really feel like we've had a high-level defensive signing. You know, lots of our focus within squad building has been those big attacking names, but there is something so satisfying about... I mean, you kind of see it with Koulibaly too, right? Like, the the two new 26s, and it just feels good, doesn't it? Like, when, you, when you've got someone who who is there, like, making... Yeah, making those tackles, making those inceptions. Um, 68 accurate passes as well, well clear of anyone else in the team last night. And, and Abdulli, you're someone... You, you will have watched her a lot, obviously, at Lyon. Do you feel like this this move is just her opportunity to really become the the star? Yeah, I I, th- I think I think to an extent, yes, because I mean, uh, while uh, at Leon, obviously in the last couple of years she played. I mean, it's unfortunate when and Mbok got injured, but that was the moment when Mbok got that that big ACL injury a couple of years ago. It was Buchanan's moment to come and step in and really 
you know, some other stuff. And and I'll, I will say that a couple of years ago, this this the player that you see now wasn't that player two years ago. She really developed and learned from when you're not playing in that team, playing in these big games in the Champions League, Champions League finals, and really developed into this monster of a center back. And I think the move has almost come at a time when she's been able to kind of step out of that Leon team now come into this Chelsea side where she's almost, she can almost kind of pull her weight around and say, I'm a world-class elite centre-back. You've got to give me the respect that I deserve. Kind of that vibe there. Like she can demand that respect. And you just saw it from this game where she just came in so smooth, so easy. If we can go back to your jazz analogy, uh, Dan, I think she just kind of fitted in like the saxophone coming in with that solo. Like that was, that what was, that was, that was Peter Buchanan, I think. We're just going to see her get better and better. And and th- one of the best things I love about Kadisha is her composure on the ball and even off the ball. There's just no, there's no stress. It's just, all right, I've got the ball. I know what to do with it. I know how to play it out. And she's a leader. She can command the team. And, you know, if if there is a, a Magda injury or Millie doesn't play, there's almost no worry now that, oh, you know, we've got to play somebody else there. How are we going to fit in the three? Carter, the odd mistake's going to come in. No, now you got, now you got... As 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 she's she was called at Leon at times Keisha Bola because she loves balling out with her shoes and her and her and her bling but um she's uh, she's she's amazing and I'm I'm really excited to see because I still think weirdly enough that I think there's another level that she can go up and now that she's she's the star of this team we can really see that because she can just lead from the front and and, and kind of go from there. Don't threaten the us with a good time, Abdullah. Don't threaten us with a good time about another level. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I'm giving I'm giving you what I saw. I mean, that's that's this is this is this is a good accumulation of like Kadisha Buchanan at Leon. I'm just expressing it now what it would look like at, at, at a, from a Chelsea point of view. And we need to just enjoy the ride as it is. I mean, I've I've obviously lost out now. I can't watch her at Leon, but at least I can enjoy her at Chelsea now on a weekly basis. So it's 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 a win-win for everyone. And the vibes she has brought are already, you know, the expected vibes at the club have gone through the roof. And isn't that almost as important as as winning football? So if she can do both, help win the football matches, help help bring the good vibes. Like I'm I'm so so down. Um but yeah, Kadisha Buchanan was obviously kind of the, the debutante who got, you know, the, the, the start and then the most amount of time. We did see Kanarids, Vitkova, Perisat, um, not a huge amount of minutes for them. They did also kind of destabilise the team. That's that's just going to happen. Like when you bring in a load of players, I, I don't think it's personal to them. But um, Dan, what, what did... What did you make of kind of kind of the players coming on? Yeah, I think the one that I probably had the best view on was Parasite because of on the right hand side and it was, you know, attacking up into the, the goal area for a little bit was uh right underneath where we were seated. And so yeah, it was great to see kind of how she played, how she was advancing the ball forward, good good ball movement, uh incredible penalty. Really, really excellent form as we were talking before we started, just in general. Like, really nice to have that. Uh, always good to have a great penalty taker on the team and someone who just does it like it's, I don't know, like lacing up their boots. That that was quite wonderful. But, yeah, I, I do think, you know, preseason is all about fitness. It's all about getting people ready to go. I always, always tend to take the lineup as more a reflection of who needs more fitness or – as you start to pencil in your first 11 for the first game of the season, who is that 11 going to be and where are the kind of the question marks? And so, you know, to me, maybe that means that, you know, she's a little further back in terms of like a, would she start 
on match day one. Um, similar to maybe some of the other new signings. And I think that's in general. Maybe Emma does tend to uh, bed people in a little slower to a starting 11 than, uh, than maybe some other managers. Um, you know, no, like Cucurella just kind of getting dropped in, uh, like another <laughs> manager we know at the club. Um, but no, I, I think in general, um, she was the one that I, I got a chance to pay the most attention to uh, in terms of, you know, Svikovia or Svikova was very limited, you know, right near the the very, very, very end. And then um, Jojo, um, you know, was getting the ball forward as well, too, Abdullah. So, I mean, I think in general, there just wasn't maybe enough footage to really kind of assess a full opinion other than are they do they look like they're on pace to be ready for the start of the season? And I would say generally, yes. Yeah, no, I think um, I, I think I agree with everything you've just said. I think there is, uh, I think the thirty minutes of just kind of like that 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 mess of a, I couldn't even recognize shape at one point. I didn't even know what shape both teams were playing. It was just a, a mess of players over the pitch going play wherever you want. You want to go to center forward, center back, you can go there. You want to play at left wing, you can go. It was just a mess. So I think that doesn't obviously help play, the players coming on and their positions. And there were just so many breaks in between that the momentum was lost. So I think the next game is is going to be more important in terms of seeing, I think we'll see a lot of the players that came in the last 30 minutes start that game. And then I think we'll be able to give a better assessment of whether they're starting 11 material or they're going to be slowly bedded in and, and coming on later in, in the season. And talking of signings, I guess now might be a good chance to to segue to the, the Dan Dorner exclusive. Dan, what, what was Emma Hayes telling you last night? Well, it was interesting because not not a lot of you know thing about it. It's a doubleheader match, which is very uncommon in European football. And the local team was the later match, and so all of the journalists, you know, it, it was a five p.m. kind of arrival, like local time, six ish p.m. start with a you know effectively close to eight o'clock finish and. Um, all local times, so I'm not. I, unfortunately, I'm not going to convert it for both of your time zones. So, listeners, it's Pacific time, U.S. Um, so, the press box got really busy right as Emma and everybody were leaving because the the Thorns uh, in Monterey were running out to get their warm ups in because the game went long due to penalties. <laughs> so. Everybody was up in the press box, and so we went down to the press conference, and it was like four people for Emma Hayes, which does not feel right, and two people for uh, Leon's manager. Um, like, it, just very odd. But anyway, I uh, asked a couple questions of Emma. Uh, one of the questions another person asked right at the very end was just, what's going on with, with signings? And Emma gave a very sly, I think it's fair to say we're not done, and drop the hammer. That was the last question. Out she goes to get ready to go give Todd a call and get the next thing sorted. The most Emma Hayes thing in the world. But look, I mean, let's, like, did... let's... you go. No, sorry. I was going to say, she did the same thing to me when I randomly ran into her. She's like, yeah, just wait till you see the more signings. So she wasn't lying, Dan. So she's confirmed, corroborated what, what we both asked her. There you go. Every good journalist knows you need two sources. Uh, I don't think it's two you exclusively have it here. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you gotta hear you got you've heard it from both of us now if emma hayes says it in two different places does does that count does that count i mean look like so 
there's kind of two big links still, right? So there's Yelena Kankovic, which as as far as we're aware, I think it sounds like that one's done. Both Chelsea and Arsenal apparently offered to pay a release clause, clause and she was picking who she left from, from Rosengard and then supposedly she's picked us. And then there was the potentially bigger bombshell that supposedly we've put in an offer of, of half a million euros, which would be the most I think anyone spent on a on a women's player certainly in Europe I mean in America they kind of obfuscate this thing so it's not always easy to see but on Kraske Oro from from Paris Saint-Germain uh supposedly she's she's interested in the move but the problem is, is this is a weird thing in in the women's game generally is these sums of money are very big in the context of women's players but Paris Saint-Germain don't need half a million euros. So it's like, you know, she's under contract there till 2024. So I don't, it doesn't necessarily seem like it is super likely. But Abdullah, what do you make of these two links? It, you know, Kankovic obviously seems like it's, it's just a matter of time that's done. Gayora seems unlikely. But are either of them the kind of midfielders we actually need? I think on face value, no. Um, because I think we've already gotten, not to forget, like in, in, in a few months time, uh, maybe six months, and Melanie Leupel still has to come back into the side as well. So we were kind of forgetting about her having to come back another box to box midfielder that was pretty good, if if, if I might add, when, when she was playing. And, and Gus Gioro is basically just another, I mean, a, a very elite central midfielder, but another elite box to box midfielder, which I don't think is a requirement. Now, however... The only thing that makes me think that one, if not both players are coming in, if someone is being retrained into another position in 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 Chelsea, and what we saw in this game was Aaron Cuthbert playing as that deep line number six, which if I can take people to chapter 17, page 245 <laughs> of my of my book, I called this about a year, almost a year ago. Saying that Aaron Do you like that you have a game. book that you can point to in a specific chapter and verse? Yes. After like I, licking his finger. <laughs> Through the pages. I, I got I got I paper specific- cuts, Ma. I got paper cuts. <laughs> I, spe- I, I I was like, as soon as I saw this morning, I went, I have to say on the pod, I'm waiting for the moment it comes up on the podcast. No, because she played really well as that number six, screening the back four, playing really I mean, that that pass with Sam Kerr, we talked about it, was absolutely fantastic. And I felt like she's got the energy and she's got the Kind of, and she's improved in the last year playing in a central midfield position. So unless she's being moved into a permanent number six, then I can see one of these two signings making a lot more sense coming in. But otherwise, it really doesn't. I mean, as much as I'd, I'd love Grace Gioro at, at at Chelsea, I just don't think it's 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 a move that makes sense because then you have too many players in, in for two positions. So we'll see what happens. And Abdullah's book is available on Amazon <laughs> if you would like to read more about Erin Cuthbert. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think Grasgero would be an absolutely in- incredible, incredible signing. Um, I personally would love it. I think she's amazing. But who knows? Who knows if that's going to happen? I did think it was interesting that you know there were a number of youngsters who were all kind of left at home, which to me again suggested that there are players who. Hayes feels confident are coming in and, and therefore she's happy for those players to go out because otherwise I just don't understand why you wouldn't take them on a little jolly to the US because because why not? It's not that big deal. But we shall see. It will all come out in the end. But 
And just to finish off, I want I want to talk a bit about the kind of the formation we saw and and how we think because I think this is something that is interesting to think about how it will play out across the season. We kind of played what uh, this lopsided back four, which we've seen us play variations of before. Um, but you know, basically, kind of Mielder, Buchanan, Eriksson as a three with Neve Charles pushed a lot higher up the pitch. Dan, you know, from your kind of vantage point, what what did you think of this? You know, this kind of three quasi four type thing yeah it's only a four when we're defending because of how far charles was pushing up and the kind of overload that it was trying to create on the right hand side but in general it was really like a back three you know you saw everybody just shifted over a spot you know which is why you saw buchanan effectively as a in a central role for the majority of the match or the first part and I'm okay with that. I would rather, you know, we've got so many good attackers in this team, midfielders who are great attackers, uh, wingbacks who are great attackers, center backs that are great attackers. Um, so you just want to try to fit as many of them forward as you possibly can. And so if it means gambling with someone like Charles and letting them rubber band back to defense when there is a bit of a turnover or entrusting your three that are are in the back to cover off appropriately. And I think we saw a lot of um, of Aaron in that kind of deep-lying six role that we talked about. She was putting in some exceptional tackles, uh, a few that might have been uh, deemed aggressive with a capital A <laughs> at certain points. Erin <laughs> um, yeah. Cuthbert, aggressive. No, I won't hear I won't believe it. <laughs> sacrilege sacrilege <laughs> the non-believer speaks um yeah it, i see so i think that in general you with that kind of change for where she was sitting you know you you can afford pushing one of your defenders up further down the pitch and i think in general abdullah it created an opportunity for us to see what it would look like if we you know committed to having four a back four but really having one of those back four essentially be a, a wing back effectively, even though that, you know, in defense, she was pulling back into, you know, as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think it's also a way to what, what Jesse had alluded to earlier when we were talking about it. It's it, because it suits Penilla harder a little bit better. And I don't think it affects Sam Kurt so much because she's just really good at the movement in, in the forward areas. But I think because it affords, uh, Penilla hard and a little more room, it, 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 but it doesn't also take away from the fact that you can get an extra attacking player in the side by playing them at almost this left wing backy role. Um, that can convert into a back three or a back four, depending on in possession, out of possession, which is what we saw over here. And essentially, you can overload one side a lot more than than the other. And then when you know if you do need to change things, you can you still have the back four, and then you have the you know the three in the midfield, and then the three up front if you're playing a four three three or four two three one. So I just feel like this this kind of hybrid, you know, formation kind of gives Chelsea a lot more tactical versatility, and I think it, it and I think it brings a lot more players in the squad into the team that that have a bit bit, bit of a role coming in. You look at someone like Setkova, you look at someone like um, Perry Stay, who these players can play in multiple different midfield and defensive positions, uh, and you know maybe when you're playing. A four-three-three. There's a lopsided to the left-hand side. You can bring in Guru, like for example, Guru right, and can play left back. Well, actually, she's just going to be a nominal left wing back, and it's going to shift into a back three, and she had to come in, or 
You can play Perisane midfield. You can play Perisane right back. You can even play Perisane left back and then use the right-hand side as more of your attacking outlet if you wanted to. So there's just so much variation in this and it brings in more players that I feel like um, it's just that there are so many different combinations that now Chelsea seem like they're a lot more unpredictable going into games than they were probably in the last couple of seasons. I think this is something that's, that's quite interesting as well because you think, well, if you were going to play the kind of fake three, in inverted commas, Magda Eriksson maybe actually becomes your defensive left back and you push Perise up. But I did also think it was very interesting how, you know, a player we haven't talked about is is Guru Wrighton because she didn't really do much in a game where we had quite a lot of opportunities to do something. So I think even as you're trying to figure out you know, whether it's a four, whether it's a three, whether it's this hybrid, you've still got these like big knock-on effects. And I think there's something else that was was tricky is that we saw Millie Bright come on later and, and she played at the left side of centre back. And then you've just got a player who's literally just been basically the best centre back at the European Championships. And the reason she was so good at the Euros is because for years it, for England, she's been played out of position to make to make room for Steph Horton to play as the right centre centre back and as soon as you went in sort of Chelsea you're like yeah nope like it's just not how you get the best out of Millie Bright so I still don't really understand how you balance these three players Dan are you playing all three of them are you just trying to rotate through them does that how, how does that you know does that disrupt your defence too much like what do you think we're going to go for? Oof. Well, it's funny because Emma was asked about the back three and the, I think the person who asked the question is, oh, you changed the back three for like 10 minutes. And she's like, no, it's three minutes. We, we, we did it for three minutes at the very end of the game, <laughs> which I uh, love, uh, love how accurate she is about everything she says. It's just quite, uh, quite amazing. But I feel like there's a lot of, experimentation almost feels like she would like to play with the back three more but i i do think it it still feels like this roster is suited for a back four on paper using air quotes around it um with some level of flexibility i i honestly don't know i i'm really interested to see with a couple of these players getting fitness um in this match what we see on saturday versus the thorns abdullah and see if we do get Maybe maybe we get those 10 minutes of a back three or maybe we get 20 minutes of a back three and see who actually would be in that back lineup for her. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and just one more thing while you were talking, just maybe occurred to me, and I think I know we just we just talked about what if the ultimate plan is you playing all three, but you're playing all three in a back four, you, and then Ericsson does the Sweden thing and plays at left back as the nominal left back in a pure back four. And then you go that way. So that way all three are playing because since Jan Anderson's gone, there's no natural left back at the club, right? There's everyone's a makeshift, Neve Charles, Kurt Wrighton. None of them are like, even Eve Perisse is, while she can play left back, she can kind of play both, but you'd want her on the right-hand side. So, you know, you, what are you going to do unless you're going to play Mara Mieldo on the right and then Eve Perisse on, on the left. But to me, this almost in a weird way, because you don't actually want to be dropping any one of this. I don't think any of the three would accept sitting on the bench for longer than one, maybe two games, right? So, it just to some way maybe does point to the fact of a back four 
if it is a back four with all three of the left back, uh, Ericsson, and then Buchanan on the left, Brighton on the right, and then whether it's Paris on the right-hand side. So I, I could see both happening, but I don't actually see any of them being dropped. Yeah, and I think actually maybe that is the way it works out because I think maybe the reason why Guru didn't feel like it quite fitted is because Charles was the one pushing higher up. And I think we know that Guru likes to be really, really wide. So if you push up on the other side and then you've got Frank Kirby, who's someone who we know likes to actually kind of come and play centrally, that maybe makes sense that you've got Magda as kind of your reserve left back and then that gives Guru the space to to be your to be your left winger and then yeah you either keep kind of Jesse and Panela as these free eight ten type things with with Aaron as your pivot maybe maybe that's how it works out yeah. sounds pretty good yeah. to me to be honest but I like I like it I like most it. variations of our team now I'm like you know when this team came out for this game I was like this squad is stacked like the signings that we have made this summer I just think have taken this whole squad to a new level you can now go position by position for all 11 players on the pitch and there are two elite players in that and that's very different to what we've had I think the past couple of seasons and I don't honestly think there's a you know a team in England at least which is which is anywhere near comparable and I don't think there are many teams in in Europe I don't know how that all irons out you know like personnel isn't everything you have to put it all together but I think it's I think it's really, really exciting. Um and so, more to come. And more to come. And more to come. <laughs> and more to come. So just to kind of wrap this up, just some quotes from from Emma to, to Chelsea, Chelsea Media as well, um, saying I thought the team played really well for about sixty-five minutes. I thought we kept the ball well, we carried out things we had been working on in training, we were brave in possession, our movement was excellent. Uh, made changes because it's pre-season I want to get everyone up to the level and I think for the last 25 minutes those changes made it difficult because it became very transitional of course I'm disappointed to give up two goals but it's pre-season we're preparing for the season I felt like there were lots of positives and I think that basically sums up what everyone felt felt watching that game so Chelsea will face the Portland Fawns in the third place playoff after they lost on penalties to Monterey no comment on what that suggests about the discord at the end WSL is underrated we, I think, should just clearly be talking about Liga MX more uh, rather than arguing whether Europe or North America is better. Uh, but Dan, you will be heading back down to Portland for that one for us, won't you? Uh, you looking forward to it? I am. I think it's going to be the most attended of the four matches only because it's the hometown team and it is on a weekend day versus a weekday night which uh i know uh, many of our uh, wonderful european friends uh hate some of the midweek travels associated with a champions league night and uh you know uh, wednesday night is a, is a pretty hard thing to negotiate for some people particularly when it's a later start too so uh, I do think it's going to be the most raucous of all of the matches, and uh, I'm I'm up for it. Uh, just wish it wasn't turf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same. I'm, the thing I was like coming away I was like, I just pray no one gets injured. That was yeah. what was freaking me out the most. But Abdullah, anything particular you'll be keeping an eye out for for this one? Just I wanted to see who Chelsea line up, their shape, and and whether uh, what we've discussed kind of comes into fruition or, or not. And uh, and yeah, let's see how they come up against Portland. Quick uh, shout out as well for for Millie Bright and and Sam Kerr, but I think especially for Millie Bright for for her Ballon d'Or nomination. I think very well deserved and happy to see 
the the people at Ballon d'Or recognise Chelsea players because apparently no one at UEFA seems to have noticed anyone playing for Chelsea over the past season. So uh, Team Ballon d'Or, I think, at London is Blue. We'll be back next week to round up the, the game against uh, Monterey. Thank you to Dan Abdullah for joining me today. Uh, until then, you know what to do, Chelsea fans. Keep the blue flag flying high. Nice.